cycles, sexual health and hormone changes can have massive effects on our well-being and function as a vagina owner. And here on The Juice, we're passionate about education and celebration of being female. The Vagina Dialogues, your manual to keeping everything running smoothly. Blood is amazing, your body divine. You can start again. Every time it's amazing. It is Menstrual Mondays and we welcome back the ladies from Weaving the Red Thread. Amanda and Sahana, how are you today? Good, thanks, Louise. How are you doing? Look good. Uh, Yeah, uh, fairly energised and ready to dive into this topic. Now, our um, our resident medical herbalist, Julianne Beeston, talks a lot about um, gut health on the show. Mm. And today we're talking about vagina health. Yeah, so, so important. And I think you know, Sarah and I are both naturopaths and, and we're, we're all for gut comes first in terms of well-being and starting from the very beginning. Yeah. But the reason our gut health is so important is because there's this amazing array of different microbiomes in there, different bugs that help us to be healthy. And as always, vaginal health kind of lags behind in research. Yes. But it's really exciting to see so many new research papers and information coming out about which bugs and which good microbes live in the vagina and how can we really enhance our well-being? Because in clinical practice, I'm just seeing so many women struggling with recurrent thrush, recurrent UTIs and bladder infections itchy vaginas, painful burning vaginas like vulvodynias and, you know, recurrent candidiasis. So it's so, so essential. And unfortunately, these women are just kind of silently suffering or rushing off to the pharmacy to grab like the Keniston cream and using it every month without really understanding, like our gut health, like everyone knows to take a probiotic for your gut health, but how many women understand that your vagina has its own little health environment as well. Yeah, like its own ecosystem. Now, just starting at the beginning, because, I mean, this has been, since you guys have been on the show, it's been a real revelation as to, I guess, I thought that I was fairly knowledgeable. But for example, when you ran through all of those things, there were a few things there that I had heard of, but I have no idea what they are. So Mm. we need to sort of strip it back and go, okay, well, where do we start? So my understanding, first of all, is that, and I guess this has sort of led to us not really paying much attention, is that the vagina is self-cleaning, therefore it doesn't need a lot of attention. (laughs) Yeah. And look, we're told, you know, don't interfere with it. You know, don't, don't put anything on it. And I'm I'm with that statement. Like, you know, the best wash you can do for your vagina is water. Yep. Unless you're uncomfortable. And then there are so many different options depending on what's going on for you. Yeah. So it, it's a really traditional aspect of well-being that women, I guess, we've lost touch with. Like a lot of our information, mm. we've lost touch with how what's normal for vaginal health. Um it can be a little bit uncomfortable for women or girls, particularly younger girls as well. Mm. You know, if they smell funny or if they've got um, discharge coming out on their undies, they think something's wrong. Yeah. And I'd really just encourage everyone, like, we need to be starting to talk about this with our daughters and girls and menstruators from eight. (laughs) You know, we start creating cervical fluid 
as our hormones kick in. Estrogen builds up hormones in our body and even, you know, that's years before a period comes on, but it starts to impact our vaginal health and the type of bugs that live there. Yeah. So we often have little ones coming into the clinic saying, like with mums saying, look, she's always complaining of an itchy vagina Mm. or she's always got pain in her vagina. Like she doesn't understand what's happening. Yeah. So there are some really common conditions, you know, in younger children um, and they're always worthwhile getting your GP or asking for a gynecologist just to have a look and get a sample of what's growing there or a swab. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, just starting to st- have this conversation around you will create cervical fluid. It should be kind of white or clear, maybe a little bit tacky, as we start to come into our menstruating years, mm. we will produce more cervical fluid. And one of those types of cervical fluid is, you know, this beautiful um, fertile mucus that helps our body to really be nourished and our vaginal tissues to be nourished. But if it's a, a really fishy odour, if it's got a really acrid smell, if it's causing inflammation and itchiness for you, it's just a, a trigger for us to go, wow, maybe there's something living there that, you know, shouldn't really be there because as we get into our sexual years, there's all kinds of different biomes that exchange between partners, Yeah, oral, oral microbiomes, like penile, other vagina microbiomes. It's, it's, a, it's a bit of a melting pot when we get into that like sexuality yeah, of yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So for for younger kids, I mean, um, you know, so they, they might have sort of an itchy vagina or they say that it's painful. Um, what sort of things mm. would you sort of be looking at like as as a, a, a possible thing and obviously should be checked out by a GP, but in your experience, like the yeah. most common sort of things? yeah. So one of the most common things in young girls that are describing an itchy vagina would be worms, number one. Mm. It's not even about the microbiome. So often we'll, we'll recommend that we check for worms, which it has a mum, got to say, not my favourite job. Yeah, right. We've all been there <laughs> with the yeah, torch. Yeah, but you just, just got to help. Yeah. Um, and there's some amazing naturopathic supports that, you know, like I'll look at these girls and they'll have an itchy nose and they'll be scratching their nose all the time where the worms are living and they'll their vaginas will be itchy and waking them up in the middle of the night. And so we'll work down that worms path. But another really common cause is as we step into um, menstruating, our blood actually floods down through the vagina. And this is another reason that I'd say, you know, use period undies over other options as a as a choice within comfort levels mm. because the blood actually nourishes as it floods through and it clears things out. Right. So, you know, like we get lots of pH changes, like we get a difference between we might be quite acidic in the vagina and different microbes grow in acid. We might be really alkaline in the vagina and different microbes grow. So as we transition over our lifetime, that changes as well. So for younger girls, I'd say number one, check for worms. Mm -hmm. Number two, probably check for thrush or candidiasis, which is um, that itchy, irritated, might be on the vulva, might be inside the vagina. Mm. But, you know, a swab's going to be the best way to to really assess what's going on. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Okay. 
All right. So as they we sort of transition into we're sort of transitioning into um, coming up to starting our menstrual journey, and as you say, from from mm. girls as young as eight, um, we start producing more cervical fluid, um, and I mm. guess that that is unexpected, particularly from from parents. They sort of think, you know. Uh, um, I didn't expect this to be happening this young. I sort of thought 12. Yeah, so periods. I mean, parents kind of look at periods as being the first moment that their hormones kick in. And it's really where we're practising for years before we mm. get our period. So, you know, girls, I think it's just normalising the conversation of as you start to grow, you know, keep your vagina nice and clean, wash it with some water in the shower, if you start to notice something that's a bit smelly or you've got some discharge, come and show me or come and have a chat to me about it so I can tell you what it is. Yeah. But I think having that conversation so they're not shocked and embarrassed because a lot of girls will just be silent and think there's something wrong with me. Yeah. And that's what we want to change. Yeah. 100%. I get that. Okay. Well, what we might do is we'll take a break and we'll pick this conversation up after the news, ladies. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, we'll be, we'll be back with our vagina health checklist for you all yeah. very shortly on The Juice. We're back on The V Files with Sahara and Amanda from Weaving the Red Thread. How are mm-hmm. you? How was your cup of tea? Oh, so lovely. Cup of tea always fixes everything, right? My grandmother said that. I had a car accident once and she said, you know what, you need a cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> I totally agree. I've even, like, I've got friends that have multiple, they get out all their cups because I'm such a fussy teacup person and I'm like, okay, they go, I've got out all my cups, you choose the one that you love. Oh, I love it. Right? <laughs> so, yes. And just, like, I think when you're making your herbal teas and your brews, they're so powerful. So I use like I use them to drink, but often I'll use them as a wash. And, you know, like we're talking vaginal health, I'll often use particular herbs in a vaginal wash as well, which I think people kind of forget that we have all these powers in herbal medicine. You know, they look to pharmaceuticals, but pharmaceuticals are born out of natural medicine. Yes, certainly. Certainly. Yeah. And, and I find this is just a, a – it's a little bit off topic. I'm, I'm, I'm taking a little bit of a, a side road here, but I find like places in Europe, um, you know, they will use, for example, they use lavender for burns, um, mm. you know, that sort of thing. So they are a lot more in touch with um, herbal medicine uh, mm. and, and the use of natural um, remedies than what we seem to be here. Yeah. And I'd say that's also because we're a colonization as well. Like mm-hmm. we've come over, but we haven't impact. We haven't brought in enough indigenous wisdoms yeah. into our learnings, and so we're we're really quite disconnected from you know we're southern hemisphere as well. Or our herbs are different here. Yeah, all of our learnings are different. Our lands different. I mean. The microbiome even changes depending on where you live and what you're exposed to and how you were born makes up the bugs that live within you. It's it's this beautiful symbiotic relationship yeah. where each type of microbiome depends on the relationship that you actually have with the foods, the land, 
the experiences that you have. Isn't that interesting? And makes mm. it makes so much sense when you say it, but it is it is fascinating. Okay, so um, when you were saying, so we, we've we've sort of come through and, and now we're sort of going into womanhood, what are the sort of things that you see present in your practice mm. um, in terms of in terms of vaginal health, uh, getting into puberty, past that into our yeah. into our menstrual life? Yeah. So probably the first thing that we do notice with and I and I'd say yes around when we start our menstruation, but often it's more so when girls get a little bit older and they start getting sexually active. Yeah. That we see an exchange between microbiomes that can cause disruption. Mm-hmm. We also see a change in eating patterns, like more sugars, possibly some alcohol. There's there's a changing reality for the body to deal with and yes. so what we feed our body and the toxins that we put into our body will impact that mm. microbiome and so off the most often thing that we see um that sort of mid-age group of younger girls coming in is definitely recurrent bladder infections and mm. urinary tract infections mm-hmm. um, and thrush you know just this discomfort it's a time to look out for you should have clear discharge that isn't too acrid or smelly. Yeah. Um, I mean, everybody has their own smell. Vaginas are amazing, but the smell is actually created from the microbiome and the types of bugs that live there. So if it's changing, it means that a new bug's moved in and some of those bugs can be really disruptive and, and attack the tissue, mm. just like if we had an infection on our skin. Yeah. But the vagina is this kind of dark, damp, beautiful, moist place that bugs really love to live. So yeah. it can be, it can, you know, and we can't see in there. Yeah. So it's really important to be looking at your fluid. So some signs that may indicate that you've got an infection might be, you know, if, if your cervical fluid is like grey or orange or you're bleeding when you shouldn't be, these are all signs that you need to get a swab and, and get checked out. And and some of the, the new swabs, um, like gut health, we've got amazing capacity to, to break down the microbiome and I'm so excited about the new tests that are coming out. So Nutripath, um, which is a private lab, they do a microbiome assessment and they go through basically all of the bugs that live in there so that you can really see what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, mm. I get it. Okay. Uh, so what? Uh, how do we take care of our vaginas? I mean, you were talking about... Um, some herbs that you use, um, you know, in in the the washing process and that sort of thing. What sort of what sort of herbs and and things like that are, yeah. um, you know, vagina friendly? Because yeah, yeah, we've yeah. been taught to leave and it I, alone and you know yeah, and not yeah, not not use all of those sprays and all that sort of stuff that we see at the chemist. Um, yeah. But yeah, definitely, and and no soap. That's the other thing. Like pH, the acid alkaline base is so important for our vaginal health. Mm. So there's a product called Colorex, which you can grab. Um, I know like naturopath stock it. It's online. You can grab it. But it's a vaginal wash. And I'd say definitely using water or a vaginal wash that helps with the pH. Like herbs, I do think see a naturopath because they're so different depending on each person. Um, 
Vaginal steaming is really cool. So mm. if you haven't looked into yoni steaming or vaginal steaming, it's a great way to, to bring some better health back into the vagina. And we often see that for women going through menopause because or going into that menstrual menopause transition because our our microbes change because our estrogen drops. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, women who have had great vaginal health start getting irritation, they start getting tears, they start getting the bladder that needs to empty every second because estrogen dropping actually thins our tissues and thins our membranes. And yeah. so sometimes you can get some some real architecture changes in the vagina. Yeah. So I re- I'd love everyone to know that that is not how it has to be. There are so many options from a naturopathic perspective that can really support well-being and yep. take away the discomfort so you can enjoy your vagina again. Yeah, I love it. We'll be able to enjoy our vaginas, right? And our vulvas. Absolutely. And and those who love us. Um, and those. Who love us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, th- that's some great tips. I just uh, I love that and I love the conversations that we have. Now, one of the things that we have got into um, over the last few weeks when we've been chatting is our cycle check-in. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so it, it helps me because I have to sort of keep track of where I'm at. Um, and uh, and you guys um, uh, provide some insight into – because as we've talked about, uh, you know, our cycle is a cycle for the full month. It's not just the mm-hmm. week of our bleed. And um, certain hormone changes and energy level shifts and that sort of thing happen right through the cycle. So I love that we bring awareness to this. So who's kicking off today? I'll kick us off. Um, And today I wanted to bring some awareness to our cervical fluid. So in our sharing, Mm. if there's any cervical fluid present, just to, you know, share some awareness on that and what it might um, look or feel like because um, our cervical fluid changes throughout the cycle, just like our cycle is now, period. Our cervical fluid isn't the same and it tells us about where we are in our cycle and our fertility. Um, So if you want to kick off, what day are you on? How are you feeling? And do you have any cervical fluid present today? Okay. So I am in and around uh, day 16 of my cycle. Uh, Not that I've noticed. And you know the Mm. first thing I'm going to do when I get off air is check. But... um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not that I've not that I've noticed nothing. So, like, I, I definitely have like um, I notice it around ovulation, obviously, um, and and leading up to my period. But at the moment, it's fairly fairly neutral for me. Mm. And how are you feeling on day sixteen? I'm, my energy levels are starting to come up. Um, like, so I'm sort of, I, I sort of because I've been sick as well. Like, I threw that into the mix. I've I've had a, a cold. So where I would normally be hitting my straps around um, ovulation, I was feeling a bit under the weather. So I kind of feel like that's stored in my body, and now I'm starting to feel better. Like I am sort of, I have been fairly productive this week, um, but wary of the fact that coming into the end of next week. I'll probably want to slow right down. What great awareness. It's so beautiful to hear, um, you know, as people start to really pay attention to their cyclical nature, their awareness and their forward planning for how what their different needs are in different parts of the cycle. So yeah. I just want to take a moment to celebrate you and having listened to your cycle shares over, you know, um, a couple of months now to hear your awareness of yourself and how to care for yourself from where you're moving to is just 
so beautiful and needs to be celebrated because self-awareness is the key to us thriving because without it, we're just quite blind and we keep on doing what's habitual or expected or what society tells us to, but it may not actually be fruitful for us. So go you. Thank you. (laughs) I'm quite proud of myself. And it is really working. Having that awareness and being able to sort of go, okay, this week, Louise, you're unlikely to be creative. So how about you put your creative planning off to this week when you're more likely to be in that space and, you know, do all your doing stuff here. And and it really is helping. And I actually um, came across some literature that there is a CEO that has a lot of women on his his management and he actually, with their permission and, and their blessing, of course, he sort of knows where they are in their cycles and there are times when he will actually hold a meeting about the same thing twice to mm. capture that creativity of some of his team as and the doing of some of his team and then that switches and he finds that, um, you know, sometimes the, um, the focus or the ideas have actually changed depending on where they are in their cycle and I find that amazing. Like, what yeah. a leader. <laughs> Yeah, and and what a leader. Imagine if we had leaders like that that held our our structures of our community, our societies and businesses that not only just saw women as cyclical but men as cyclical as well mm. and we embraced our human nature instead of forcing an ideology of being switched on high, producti- high productivity, high success every single day, which is not the reality for any human being, let alone especially a woman or a menstruator because mm-hmm. men cycle in 24 hours, we cycle on average 28 days. Yeah. Um, so, yes, more leaders like that, please, because when we see leaders um, supporting the cyclical nature of their stuff, we see more creativity and more productivity. Yeah. And that's what people don't get is when you actually embrace cyclical living, your creativity and productivity increase because you're actually allowing space for rest and a space for dreaming. And we've got such little space in our culture to actually dream because we're constantly being entertained and engaged in some form, especially because of our screen society. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Okay, so where are you guys up to? Amanda, where are you today? So I'm on day six of my cycle um, and feeling pretty good. It's also like there's lots on my plate, so I've probably got a little bit too much going on at the moment. Um, so I'm just being conscious to put a little bit more self-care and and breathing moments into my day. Um I am not experiencing a lot of cervical fluid at the moment. I know in the next couple of days that will shift and change. Um, as like as I come closer to ovulation, I get a big surge of estrogen mm. and lots of extra fluid that comes through. Um, but yes, feeling pretty pretty good and balanced and just kind of steady today. Right, no. nice. Mm. Sahara, no. where are you? Sarah? Um, I'm day 11 and like you, I have been, um, I got the cold as well and um, I feel like I've skipped like a whole portion of energy rising and I'm like, oh, day 11, wow, I'm going to be ovulating in a few days. My so don't feel like I'm there. So I totally resonate with you of that, um, of catching up on the energy. 
Um, and I am aware of my cervical fluid that I am starting to produce some there. It's definitely a lot less than what I produced when, when I was in my 20s and 30s. So I've definitely noticed as I'm moving through the menstrual menopause transition that um, my cervical fluid is diminishing. Mm. Um, and sometimes I'm only aware of it when I actually go to the toilet and I wipe. And this is some way that women can become aware of it, that, you know, you may go to the toilet and wipe and always wipe front to back so that you're taking anything towards the back, not bring anything from the anus forward, which can create um, disturbances in the microbiome. Um, that, that you might all of a sudden start to feel there's a slide action when you start wiping mm. and that's because there's cervical fluid present there. Yeah. So sometimes I've only got that awareness, whereas when I was younger, I used to feel like I would get wet underwear. I had so much cervical mm. fluid. So that's another thing for women to realise as we age, the cervical fluid is changing and its quantity is changing. And all of this is just information. And as Amanda said, if any of there's any discomfort and pain, if there's ever discomfort and pain, it is language that says, please come and have a look. Something here needs um, some adjustment. It could be your diet. It could be your alcohol intake. It could be that you've been unwell. It could be that you've shared microbiomes and got something that you don't need in there. But it's just language that's bringing awareness to the fact that um, there shouldn't be pain in our body. Yeah, awesome. And I really want to reiterate that if you are having a course of antibiotics, you need to be aware that thrush is much more likely to occur and not be surprised by that coming on. So because antibiotics disrupt our microbiome, um, it can leave more room for candida to grow. So, you know, if you take antibiotics, grab a good vaginal health or a gut health probiotic to go with it. Yeah, 100%. I love that. And, um, yeah, very much worth remembering, particularly with the flu. Uh, rearing its ugly head. So, uh, yeah, antibiotics are sort of um, in circulation once again. They sort of went missing for a couple of years. Uh, so, yeah, that is a, a very good warning, for particularly for this time of the year. Ladies, thank you once again for joining me on Menstrual Mondays. It's been a fascinating chat once again, and I look forward to talking to you again in a fortnight. Thank you. Thank you.